0: Now listening to
1: the Pat's Pulpit Podcast. Hello, everybody, and welcome to the Pat's Pulpit Podcast. I am Alex Shane, here with you, as always, with my good buddy, Rich Hill, to break down week four in the NFL. This would be the quarter mark in the NFL season in years past, but in the 17-game season, I'm really bad at math. I don't know what four to 17 is, and I'm going to pretend to try. (laughs) Rich Rich Hill, when the schedule first came out, there's a week four game that everyone had circled in primetime narratives out the wazoo everyone's going to be turning in to watch these two teams duke it out at the 8pm slot as week 4 gets underway, Jaguars and Bengals tonight, (laughs) 8.20pm I cannot wait for
0: this epic matchup. Oh, it's true. You know, Battle of the Titans, Trevor Lawrence versus Joe Burrow, two of the best quarterbacks in college football history, dueling it out. I mean, this is a chance for the Jaguars to really cement the fact that they are not the worst team in NFL history. And the Bengals to show that their win last week over the hapless Pittsburgh Steelers was actually a real indication of them being good. Uh, I mean, yeah, I mean, this is actually I know that we have a pretty big game to break down this week. But before we get to Pat's Bucks, Alec, there's like a thousand really good games this week. And I'm not joking. I think this Jaguars-Bengals game has the makings of a very, very good game. I'm not expecting like the Jaguars to be a good team or anything like that. But I feel like when you have two good young quarterbacks like this with Burrow and Trevor Lawrence, you have a good receiver uh, in Jamar Chase with the Bengals. I think this has the makings of a potentially really fun game to watch. I'll
1: tell you, man, based on last week, week three in the NFL, where on paper the matchups didn't look that exciting, turned out some really good games. This is one of those games, you're right, uh, the, the Steelers, uh, excuse me, the, the Jaguars-Bengals game. It'll turn out to be one of those kind of barn burners that no one really tunes into, and they start hearing the tweets at halftime. It's like a 40-38 to 38 kind of victory. But there are some really good matches, especially in the late slate of games. If you want to kind of skip, if you have stuff to do during the day on Sunday and you want to miss the 1 o'clock spot and miss titans Jets and Washington Falcons. I certainly won't blame you. There's some pretty pretty solid games in the the later slot. Uh, the Steelers Packers game could be really really good. Ravens Broncos is a very intriguing matchup. Ravens coming off that last second wild 66 yard victory field goal victory over the Lions. Broncos are undefeated. That could be a great game. The Monday night game, Raiders-Chargers. Chargers Chargers come up a huge win off of the Chiefs. Raiders are still undefeated. So yeah, man, there's some some good games this week.
0: Oh, totally. And mentioning another 4 o'clock game, undefeated Cardinals on the road against undefeated Rams. That's going to be really fun. Uh, You also have the Seahawks on the road against the 49ers. The NFC West is just a lot of fun to watch. There are four teams that can go toe-to-toe with almost anyone. I mean, all four of them are contenders for the Super Bowl, and all four of them are just playing their hearts out this year Uh, you just have so much talent all around basically if you have nfl red zone or whatever sort of watch every single game you can at the same time sort of thing once it hits four o'clock you're gonna watch everything because there's just so much so much fun uh this afternoon um but you know we can break down whatever games we want you know i think that with the focus on the bills at two and one the dolphins at one and two both of them have very winnable games against the Texans and Colts, respectively. And uh, you have the Jets, which are, you know, worst team in the AFC. They're 0-3. They're hosting the Titans. So hopefully they get shellacked. Uh, but the, the Patriots have to hope that the rest of the teams in the AFC East lose because uh, Patriots are going to have their hands full uh, in prime time on Sunday night huh. when the Buccaneers come to town.
1: Yes, they are, Rich Hill. And, it's weird to be in a situation where Tom Brady is coming to Foxborough as an away member of the, of the away team for the first time. But like, we'll get to Tom Brady in a minute, of course. But Tom Brady's side, for a moment, I'm just looking down this bushmaster roster from kicker all the way through, like backup linebacker, and this is such a stacked, loaded team at every single position. I'm sitting here thinking about how I'm going to, like, if I was going to break down offensively, what I'd do defensively, who I'd target. Bill Belichick and McDaniels and Patricia and Steve Belichick have their hands full and then some this week trying to figure this team out.
0: Um, Yeah, let's start with that. Let's start with this Buccaneers offense because – Uh, it's ridiculous. You have Chris Godwin, Mike Evans, and Antonio Brown at wide receiver, if Brown's able to go. He didn't play last week against the Rams. Uh, you have Rob Gronkowski at tight end. You have Leonard Fournette in the backfield. You basically have, like, four all-pro players just lining up this roster at receiver, plus a couple really good running backs with Fournette, Giovanni Bernard. I'm not even talking about Cameron Brayton, O.J. Howard, the top two backup tight ends you could ever ask for in the entire league. Tom Brady's having himself a career year already, uh, and, and I think that if I am the, you know, Bill Belichick, if I'm Steve Belichick of Mayo trying to figure out how I'm going to defend this Bucks team, I don't even know where to start.
1: No, I don't either. I guess, you know, thinking that offense and defense, it all starts at the lines, and as we know, as Patriots fans, who root for Tom Brady for 20-plus years, like, beating Tom Brady-led teams isn't difficult if you can get pressure up the middle by putting a hat on the hat and winning the individual matchups and getting the one-on-one battles at the line and getting pressure up the middle. Do not give him time. Do not step up in the pocket. Do not blitz him. Do not let him figure out what you're going to do (laughs) because he will absolutely carve you up. He is better than anybody at diagnosing the defensive reads pre-snap so I guess it's going to have to be one of those games where that interior defensive line and the linebackers have career days and make Brady's day very long by getting a lot of pressure on him because in terms of the matchups, secondary on receivers or who do you cover Gronkowski with? Is that Kyle Duggar? Is it Adrian <laughs> Phillips? I don't even know. So I think if the Pats are going to win this game, it's going to have to be how basically the Giants beat the Patriots in 2007. He's a lot of pressure up the middle and make Brady's day very long by hitting him a lot.
0: Yeah, and you just got to hope that it works. I mean, honestly, I think the one solace, perhaps, is uh, that you have no idea how the, they're going to line up. <laughs> I mean, like, the, the fact is, is that you have to put a hat on a hat and just hope for the best because this is a matchup game where uh, the, the Bucks essentially just trot out their talent and say, try and beat us because we're going to beat you. And you have Godwin and Evans who are out there pretty much every single snap. Gronk is out there almost every snap other than from a rotational standpoint uh, where Brayton will get a few snaps here and there. Uh, They have a running back on the field all the time with Fournette or uh, Bernard. But then you have Brown slash Tyler Johnson as that third receiver, Scotty Miller. Basically, the the Bucs have a three-receiver set. That's what I'm trying to say here. And so you know what they're going to come out with. The Patriots have to say, how are we going to match up hat on a hat here? I agree. I think Duggar should be the one that covers Gronkowski. I think Duggar is having himself a very, very strong campaign. Uh, I think that he has been playing at every level of the Patriots defense. And he, obviously, you can't shut down Gronkowski. He's just too good. But I think he will give the Patriots a very competitive chance against Gronk. And so I'm excited to see that match up. You got to put J.C. Jackson in coverage against uh, Chris Godwin and just hope that they can that he can hold his own. And then you put McCordy and Jalen Mills probably in coverage of Mike Evans. Perhaps this is a Juwan Williams sort of situation with his size. That's why they drafted him. Uh, Perhaps he'll get the matchup as well. And then you can put Jalen Mills in the slot, uh, whether it's against Brown, Scotty Miller, or someone. Basically. There's going to be a mismatch somewhere. Patriots, as you said, are going to have to compensate by generating a lot of pressure. This is still a like very good Bucks offensive line, so there's not a lot of weakness in there. So if I'm the Patriots, the only way to win is by manufacturing pressure uh, any way you possibly can because you're not going to win this game uh, just trying to play a lot of coverage.
1: One area, Rich Hill, that has always plagued the Patriots for years, it seems, is receiving backs. Wheel routes out of the backfield. Yep setting up the quick screens, the mismatches in the coverage in the middle of the field on the linebacker, these quick kind of shifty backs they can catch. The Buccaneers have that. Is there any way the Patriots can do what you said and still account for those receiving threats out of the backfield?
0: Yeah, I mean, I think that fortunately, if the Bucs go three wide with three wide receivers, that means that the Patriots can afford to put another safety on the field. And that's where Adrian Phillips comes, comes into play as that linebacker safety hybrid his responsibility will be to cover those running backs coming out of the backfield. It's going to be a three-safety kind of day. Uh, you know, A lot of dime, probably, for the Patriots. Uh, and then you have to get super fat and heavy up front with Godshaw, uh, Barmore and Guy out there uh, but my x-factor is going to be Dante Hightower because the Patriots need their defensive captain to have a strong day if they're going to have any chance and when we're talking about manufacturing pressure there's no one better on the Patriots historically than Dante Hightower at generating pressure I will absolutely love to see the type of games that he'll be able to have uh, against this Bucks offensive line uh, but Hightower is the one that I think will have to have a huge day if the Patriots are going to have any chance of winning it.
1: Yeah, we need him to step up. He hasn't played great the past three weeks. Again, I think we're both in agreement. He's still shaking off the rush in that 2020 opt-out. But if it's ever going to be kind of a coming-out-back-to-reality game, this is going to be it for him. They know each other very well, Tom Brady and Dante Hightower, so maybe he's the guy they look to. to. If Brady's got any kind of a tell or if he's able to do anything pre-snap, we really need Hightower to use his veteran experience to help out the younger guys, particularly my defensive X-Factor, which is far more. Uh, I think Barmore is one of those guys who can get pressure. He can win one-on-one battles. He can generate in the backfield by getting to Brady early, collapsing in the middle of the pocket, maybe opening up the lane for Hightower to come in on the blitz. Matthew Judon may be working off Christian Barmore as well. But we need one of those bigger guys on the interior to cause some damage. And I think in terms of the skill set, the combination of size, speed, athleticism, I think Barmore is the guy with the best bet to do that.
0: Yeah, I like that. And, like, they're going to have to rely a lot on their defensive interior pressure to have some sort of a strong game. So I like Barmore. I I think that Godshaw as well. Like, the entire defensive line will have to stand out because if the Patriots can't hold their own against the run, uh, they're they're not going to have a chance. You know, like, they, they... they, if they dedicate their resources to stopping the pass, is what I should say. If they dedicate their resources to stopping the pass and then they become a sieve up front, then there's just not a chance that they're going to be able to keep up with the, the Bucks because other side of the ball, this is going to be a very, very tough game for the the, the Patriots' offensive side uh, because this is also a very stacked Bucks defense. Uh, you go uh. front to back, they have two of the best linebackers in the league in Devin White and Levante David. For my money, best duo that you're going to find anywhere off the ball. They have two very talented members in the secondary, Antoine Winfield Jr. and Carlton Davis. And then up front with Shaq Barrett, Jason Pierre-Paul, Bita Vea, and Dominic Sue. you're not going to find a better defensive front. So they have talent everywhere. If you are Josh McDaniels and have a young Mac Jones under center, Alec, how are you going to approach this game?
1: Uh, I'm going to find myself a, a medium-sized white flag. <laughs> and I'm going to tie it
0: to a stick and
1: wave it violently. back and forth. No, what I'm going to do, like, again, you do not want to put this game on Mac Jones' shoulders for a lot of reasons. This is obviously – this is probably the biggest regular season game in terms of hype and narrative in Patriots history, and it's not even close for, for so many reasons. And to be a rookie in your first ever primetime slot, coming up against the greatest quarterback of all time, who you technically kind of replaced – you do not want him to have any more pressure than it's already on his shoulders. So you want to do what you've been doing in a lot of ways and try and run the ball really well. Quick option passes, use the tight ends a lot, maybe take a couple home run shots. I think this could be a good Aguilar game if Matt Jones wants to go deep. You saw the Rams got a lot of yards after catch with the deep throws with Matt Stafford and Cooper Cup and Deshaun Jackson. They were able to do that, taking some deep shots, beating the safeties by cheating them up. So this could be a game to establish the run early, Mac Jones is a very good play-action passer, utilizes a lot of play-actions, take a few deep shots, go for the home run to keep things honest, and hope the tight ends can step it up. Because we talked about last uh, Tuesday's podcast, how Hunter Henry and John Smith have not quite lived up to their price tag just yet. This would be a great opportunity for them to
0: take the game over. Oh, totally. I agree. And I, I mean, I think you look at this Bucks team and figure out where their strength is. Uh, definitely up front. Their defensive front seven is outstanding. And if there is a weakness, it's at that sideline cornerback spot opposite of Carlton Davis. And so whoever it's going to be, whether it's Ross Cockrell <laughs> or anyone else, the Patriots are going to have to attack them outside the sidelines uh, or outside the hashes and towards the sidelines because... That's the only way you're really going to move the ball against this team. So you're going to have to do a lot of quick passes outside. I think that there's going to be a lot of those slip screens, tunnel screens, anything you can to get yards after the catch opportunity because you need to get the ball out quickly because Mac Jones is not going to have any time under center. But you're not going to get a lot of production out of your running backs against this group. Vita Vea is probably the best nose tackle in the entire league, one of the most dif- disruptive like nose tackles that you're going to find. Uh, and so you're not going to have a lot up there. You need to get enough to force Levante, David, and uh, Devin White to not cheat to the outside. You need to keep them in that middle of the field. But I, I think that the Patriots are going to have to attack the outside, and whether that's you know using the tight ends on out routes or relying a lot on Jacoby Myers and Kendrick Bourne, I think that there's an opportunity towards the sideline to kind of dink and dunk your way down the field like the Rams were able to do. And then you also have to take your home run shots to Nelson Agmore, uh, and they have to connect. This is going to be a game where the Patriots... Uh, they're not going to win by playing it safe. The only way that they can beat a team like this Bucks team is if a lot of breaks go their way. And so you need to spend money to make money in this situation, and you're going to have to take some big risks down the field. And so I would love, love, love Josh McDaniels to throw in a couple of those trick plays, whether it's a flea flicker or, you know, one of those back-and-forth passes to allow a receiver to break open down the field because that's the only way that the Patriots are going to be able to keep up with this Bucks offense.
1: If you look at the kind of matchup versus matchup one-on-one, there, there really is an area where I think the Patriots have an edge on a hat-on-the-hat hat situation. I agree with you. Maybe, maybe in the back-up you know, I think Gronkowski is no longer the greatest tight end of all time. He's still good enough. I think as a, as a unit on paper, the Patriots' tight end room is a little stronger, but if so, not by much. And if they're going to do anything, I guess that's where the, the edge comes in. Maybe those coverage mismatches, John Smith on a linebacker. If Matt Jones is able to diagnose the pre-snap, read correctly, maybe call some audibles, give him a little more longer leash to, to call his own the line, might be a good thing here. Uh, but it's going to come down to, I think, what's come down to the past couple of weeks. Uh, it's gone kind of a mixed bag for the Patriots. Hopefully this is the week Trent Brown is back. The offensive line can gel a little bit because if – the Patriots can give up the kind of pressure they gave up against the Dolphins and Jets and Saints. Against this Bucs defensive front, which I agree is probably the best in the league, uh, there might just be a Mac Jones-sized hole in the middle of Gillette Stadium where the quarterback <laughs> used to be, and he may just quit on the spot.
0: Oh, yeah. I mean, the, the, the fact of the matter is this is the hardest game on the Patriots' schedule all year. Uh, Bardnon, this is the this is the most difficult one that they're going to face. They're coming off of a rough game against the Saints team, and in, in my head, the only way the Patriots are going to win this game is if a they win the turnover margin by at least two. That that has to happen. They need to get a couple of really good bounces their way. They need to have a huge special teams play. That has to happen. Either Gunnar Olszewski has to have a big return. They need to block something. But there has to be. A huge play coming from outside the standard spectrum, and then they can't allow the the Bucks receivers just kind of waltz up and down the field. And I I think that the secondary is good enough to compete. I don't know if they're able to hold them back the entire game, and they're going to get theirs because they're a very great offense. But J. C. Jackson is going to have to have himself a career day, uh, or you know. In typical Tom Brady fashion, he's going to go after Jalen Mills and the not J.C. Jackson. <laughs> go after anyone but J.C. Jackson. And if that is the case, then the Patriots need to give whoever that cornerback is as much support as they can with Devin McCordy.
1: Indeed. Also, a good opportunity for a career day for my offensive X Factor, Kendrick Bourne. He had a little bit of a breakout against the Saints. He's gaining more and more confidence. He seems to be the guy on those jet sweeps and those reverses and those trick blades. He's kind of the go-to guy on that. Maybe a Jacoby Myers to Kendrick Bourne to Mac Jones. Kendrick Bourne kind of connection. let the see him kind of build on his momentum. If Bruce Arians is going to kind of follow the Bill Belichick model and the Tom Brady run team, do they take away your best option and force you to beat them with your third guy? I think Myers is still Jones' number one receiver. Born Bourne's quickly become a good number, two, And I think if he can be that maybe middle-of-the-field guy that will allow Aguilar to get open on the, one of those mm. two deep throws we throw, I think that could be a good thing. If he could be enough of a factor early on, get enough passes where they have to maybe cheat the linebackers over or move the safeties up or whatever it is to allow that deep play to happen, that would be great. So hopefully Kendrick Bourne can continue some momentum.
0: I like that. I mean, I, I think that I, I don't disagree with that. I think that Bourne has a lot of – potential in this offense he does remind me a lot of Jacoby Myers with his open field ability I think they complement each other very well Uh, and I wouldn't be surprised if we saw a lot of packages with both Bourne and Myers on the outside with Henry and Smith on the line because it gives the Patriots a lot of flexibility (coughs) that said Nelson Aguilar is going to be my x-factor and that is purely because he is going to be that home run threat. He is going to be the one that receives those opportunities that can put points on the board in a big way. And he is going to get those opportunities. So I would imagine he's going to get two or three deep shots throughout the course of the game. He's going to have to collect at least one, if not two of them. Uh, and so when it comes to him being my X factor, it comes down to just a few plays, but last week he did not get enough done against the saints with his opportunities. Uh, and he, so he's going to really have to step up here and, and really show, uh, you know, that he and Mac Jones can have the necessary connection to be that deep threat to keep teams honest. And if he's able to connect on those, then perhaps things will open up underneath for a lot more other players.
1: And none of that will happen if the offensive line can't get it together. So hopefully so they can gel enough to give Mac Jones enough time. Because no matter how fast you are, it takes at least four or five seconds to get down the field. And if it doesn't have four or five seconds to throw, it's going to be a long, long day for the Patriots. It's going to be a long, long week, or it's been a long, long week, I should say, for Patriots fans, because... This game has been hyped since basically the schedule came out. Tom Brady's return. The narratives are already insufferable. They've been insufferable for so long. At least it's finally almost over. <laughs> but this is this game, if nothing else, this will always be the game that Tom Brady returned to Gillette Stadium. And I would love your take on this, Rich Hill. I mean, Brady's not the first legend to come back with a different team to his home stadium, get a certain kind of reception, a certain kind of re- greeting. I think it's the kind of thing where maybe – we cheer our balls off as soon as he gets on the field, they announce his name as a starting quarterback. Maybe he gets booed for his first series out. It's kind of like the traditional way to do it, to show you respect, but show you're still loyal to your your team first and foremost. The wrinkle though, Rich, is that Tom Brady is sixty-eight or so yards away from breaking Drew Brees' all-time passing record. You can't write stuff like this, being able to the last record he needs, he'll yep. get at Gillette Stadium against his old team. How do you think the NFL, the Patriots, the fans are going to respond to that record being broken on Sunday night?
0: Well, yeah, there's going to be two different things what they should do and what could happen. Uh, what they should do and what I hope happens is that the Patriots celebrate it because they you know you don't need to roll out the red carpet for someone for the other team by any means. Like, you don't have to do a tribute video before the game starts. That's ridiculous. You don't have to do that unless it's like intentionally this is their final farewell and Brady seems like he's going to play for another decade. So you don't need to do that. That said, if you are setting an all-time NFL passing record and it's for your quarterback that was the franchise cornerstone for two decades, take a moment and celebrate it. Let him wave to the crowd. Let him do that. I don't care. 30 seconds is all that's going to take. You don't need a big production. Throw something on the Jumbotron that says, congrats, Tommy, and then try and sack him on the very next play. You, you I, I think that you don't have to do anything huge from an overall game standpoint, but like I think when he – I think it was the touchdown passing record. He, he won some sort of a record with the Patriots uh that, like, you know, when it was Peyton Manning, the other team, everyone stopped. It was, like, when Brady got it, nothing happened. It was kind of just assumed it was inevitable. And I was just like, I kind of wish that they took that moment because, like, he deserves it. He's the greatest quarterback of all time. He was such an important part of the Patriots franchise history, and he will forever be an important part of the franchise. And so, for them not to celebrate something like that, in my mind, would come across as petty. And uh, you know, it's not the same as trying to you know welcome him and give him a piece of the turf or anything like that.
1: Yeah, you have to do something. And you're right. You look at when Emmett Smith broke the rushing record or Peyton Manning broke Dan Marino's record, Drew Brees, like they stopped the game for like minutes at the a time. There was a pre recorded message on the Jumbotron. I think Dan Marino was like, hey, congrats. People make a big deal out of these things. I may be not remembering correctly, but I don't remember a single record any Patriots broken that's gotten any kind of fanfare at all. Even to the point where, like, even during like the draft, Every other year, Roger Goodell says, "In the 32nd overall pick, the Super Bowl champions, whoever select." Even then, it's always like pick 32, the Pats pick Nikhil Harry, and it's off. So <laughs> for some reason, the Patriots just don't get any kind of credit, and it is petty. And I'd like to hope the Patriots have control over this versus the NFL mandating something. I don't know what the ins and outs of it are, but Tom Brady will forever be a Patriot. He's going to retire and be enshrined in Canton as a Patriot. What he's done for this franchise has been unlike anything any other quarterback has ever done or will ever do. And so to not give him the warm welcome he deserves and the congratulations he deserves, you're right. Petty is the perfect word for it. And I do think there'll be something happening because if not, it'll be really bad luck.
0: Yeah, totally. And, like, to be fair... What are, the, are the Patriots going to win this game? It's not like it's a hotly contested rivalry game. He didn't go to the Jets. He didn't go to the Colts. He went to the freaking Buccaneers, the worst franchise in league history, you know, the, the most winless team. He got them a Super Bowl. Everyone should only be happy for him. Uh, and so for him to return uh, with the Bucks, I'll, I'll have you know it, as only a six-point favorite, which is wow. the most laughable <laughs> part of this return is that the Bucks are only a six-point favorite for the Patriots not to celebrate a record-setting milestone. And I want to emphasize, celebrate the record-setting milestone, not even necessarily his return. Celebrate the milestone. They should absolutely do that because he deserves it. Patriots fans deserve it to be a part of it because, you know what, if it was just two years ago when he got this record, everyone would be going nuts.
1: Totally. And the only real problem is it's such a low number. It's not like he's like 240 yards away where he'd need possibly the whole game. To get this record, it could be like three to nothing, and he hits it with a game still very much in play and competitive, and you got to stop it because you had like a you know like a seventy yard completion to Mike Evans or something like that. <laughs> I, I wish it, this, this celebration when it comes was at the heels of like some kind of like blowout. The game's been over since halftime. Let's all just enjoy it. But uh, when this this record is broken, I'd like to hope that when this record is broken, it's still a game because yeah. if this one's ar- this one's already over and Brady passes 70 yards, it's going to be an even longer day than we thought on Sunday night.
0: Oh, totally. Yeah, I would love... I mean, honestly, I want him to break it in the first quarter so that they can celebrate, and then the final three quarters can be about the Patriots trying to do their best to try and win, uh, because otherwise, yeah, it's going to be, like, a very weird moment if it comes down to, like it would be weird if he only had 68 passing yards in this scenario, but you know, if it's like a a near tie game in the fourth quarter and Tom Brady needs to get this pass to set up a game winning field goal attempt. uh, And so then he gets it with 30 seconds left. Like that would be weird to pause the game and celebrate. And I'm sure also the bucks would be like, you're icing our kicker. Don't do that. And so maybe (laughs) Belichick would be all about that. Uh, But I, I think that if it's in the first quarter, it's early enough. It doesn't really matter in the scheme of like the momentum or like a big part of the game. Like, Let it happen. I think it'll be great. Um, And honestly, I couldn't be happier that he's going to be doing it during his homecoming.
1: No, it is. It's one of those things. It's it's a nice story. Again, it would be nice if he did it as a Patriot. But again, it's just very rare that anybody finishes their career at his level with the same team. And good for him. I'm glad he's doing what he's doing. I still am a Brady fan. I actively root for him all the time. I am not rooting for him today, obviously. I hope the Patriots win this game which is as good enough a chance to get to our predictions as any. Uh, Rich Hill, we both picked the pass to beat the Saints last (laughs) week, so we we were both wrong on that one and how wrong we were. But you still had the hammer because of your Jets prediction the week before, so you get the first pick this time. Patriots hosting the Tom Brady-led Buccaneers Sunday night, 8.15 p.m. If I have to even ask, who you got?
0: (laughs) Woof. Um... Big surprise here. I'm going to go with the Bucs. Um, I don't think that this is going to be a particularly close game. I would love to be proven wrong here. Um, but you have a very good pass defense of the Patriots against a very good pass offense of the Bucks. So things kind of match up well. I think the issue comes with the Patriots offense being unable to compete with the Bucs. Um, so I don't think that the Bucs are going to necessarily put up like a 40-burger or anything like that. But I think that the Patriots will struggle to hit the high team. So I'm, I'm going to go with the Buccaneers winning this one, 31-17. to
1: 31-17. All right, got it. That's similar to my – I don't think Tom Brady has any animosity towards Bill Belichick and the Patriots. I really don't. I don't think he hates his team or this franchise. I don't think he feels slighted or jilted or unwanted. I think it was just time for him to move on. Everyone kind of knew that. The Patriots offered him comparable money to the Buccaneers, but he just wanted to go away. And I don't think it's kind of thing where he's coming – to burn the building down and prove what you lost. But I also know Tom Brady is an absolute maniac when it comes to competitiveness and him winning over Belichick and winning big, even if he's not saying it directly matters to him big time. Brady and Gronk totally. are coming back. This is, I think the Patriots, they're the last team he hasn't beaten, obviously. Yep. So this this will be 32 teams. He's beaten every single team in the entire NFL if he wins this. And he's still competitive and crazy enough to really allow that to drive him they're coming off a loss against the Rams. Brady very rarely loses two in a row. Uh, I would love to see a 31-17 game. So I means it's a little closer. I'm thinking more like third. <laughs> like I'm thinking honestly, I'm thinking like 38 to 13 in this game. Uh, pretty big blowout. Over probably by halftime, and maybe the Patriots get a garbage time touchdown later on. I think we're gonna see a lot of what we saw against the Saints. A lot of three and outs and a lot of defensive gassing. And uh, Brady goes absolutely nuts. He gets one to Gronk just because. gets one to Antonio Brown just because. And a a 38-13, very comfortable Buccaneers victory that has most folks going to bed in the middle of the third quarter.
0: Oof. Well, I hope I'm more right than you are. Uh, (laughs) But we will be breaking this down next week. Hopefully we're both completely wrong and the Patriots pull off the upset. That would be really fun to see. Um, But, Alec, any final thoughts on Week 4? 23.5% of the way through the NFL season
1: I never thought I'd say this but I cannot wait until this Tom Brady game is over
0: oh yeah yeah I think that it'll be nice to have that in the rearview uh get that and so they can focus on the rest of the year Alec until next time you have a good one
1: you too buddy see ya later
0: man